0: Hello and welcome to the Real Estate, Wine, and More podcast. And yes, we are finally back from a month's hiatus. I have missed you and I hope you've missed me too. I'm your host, Howard Fletcher. I'm a licensed realtor in Washington, D.C., Maryland, and Virginia. I'm a journalist and I am also now a seller of new and pre owned Lexus vehicles at Lexus of Rockville. That's a whole nother story and I will get to that later. But right now, I'd like to get to an interview I had last week with the sales director of Boxwood Estate Winery in Middleburg, Virginia. Her name is Jessica Shivers Wilson, and I know you will find her to be as interesting and as informative as I did. She's a charming lady. We visited the winery, well, I visited the winery with my partner, Joan, last week, and we had our usual wonderful time in the town of Middleburg and at Boxwood Estate Winery. Middleburg is the epicenter of Virginia horse country, but because of the efforts and skills of winemakers at Boxwood and a few others, it has become a haven for wine connoisseurs and wine lovers throughout the world. As listeners of this podcast know, I like to record these interviews in the middle of the action at the winery, so if you hear any background noise, it's just the good folks at Boxwood making the magic happen. So with no further ado, here's my conversation with Jessica Chivers-Wilson. This is episode eight, Boxwood Estate Winery, winemaking in Virginia Horse Country. Okay, I'm in lovely Middleburg, Virginia. Uh, drove down here with Joan. Uh, took about—I don't know—you know, we came from Vienna, Virginia. I live in Silver Spring. Yep. Middleburg is about 45 minutes I would say from DC. Mm-hmm. It's a lovely drive, lovely little town. And I'm here at Boxwood Winery.
1: Boxwood Estate Winery.
0: Boxwood Estate Winery.
1: We like to say estate because of all of our grapes are estate grown.
0: Fantastic. Mm-hmm. And I'm with Jessica Chivers Wilson. Yep. And Jessica, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Jessica, what do you do here at Boxwood?
1: I actually am their sales director. Although originally I started out as a tasting room manager and mm-hmm. I still chip in on that kind of stuff if they have special events or wine club member parties or things of that nature or just to lend an extra pair of hands when we get really busy. But I'm predominantly doing sales for them in the market. And
0: So how long have you been here? I've been here about five years. Now the I saw on your website that the, I think the first vintage was in 2006? Correct.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: When did you winery first start growing grapes or planting? Yeah.
1: Um, so in about 2004 or so was our first planting. So we had our unofficial first vintage at around 2006. In 2002 Lucy Morton was brought in to decide where to do the planting. She does a lot of work in Virginia Viticulture as you know. She's the person to go to. So she's been on, with us since the inception of the, of the winery.
0: You read my mind. You jumped the gun on me because I was going to bring up Lucy because uh, I have uh, interviewed quite a few winemakers and vintners around, and her name, just I hear it all the time.
1: It's ubiquitous with um, terrar and understanding where to plant. Right.
0: Uh, I know uh, that Bordy Vineyard in uh, Maryland, Mm -hmm. Rob DeFord was the first person who mentioned her to me about... Eight years ago, they ripped up all their vines and called in Lucy. Yep, And had, had her show her show to, what to do. Yep. What to do. What You just of.
1: missed her. She was here last week, actually. Oh, wow. Well, yeah.
0: see, I was just talking telling Joan we need to get her on the show. We yes. are going to try to do our best to do that. Yeah. Um, we spoke to Carl D'Amano at uh, 868. Yep. Uh, about a month ago.
1: Yeah.
0: And he worked at Sugarloaf at 1st Mm-hmm. And... You mentioned that Lucy was there, mm-hmm. and then when he opened his own place in Eight Six Eight, he got Lucy to, to do it. Um,
1: I don't think there's a winery or a vineyard, um, especially estate-grown in Virginia, that hasn't had her hand on it in some fashion, okay. either through extra advice or hands-on exactly. But she she is the person to cool. go to for that for sure.
0: Yeah, I've uh, you know I've heard of Boxwood for several years. I, the first time I visited here actually was. Probably about two months ago, for the first time, I'm ashamed to say. Okay, um, but it was a pleasant surprise. Mm-hmm. This this uh, your your estate is beautiful. Mm-hmm. The, the grounds are beautiful. The tasting room, I think, is unique in its design. Can you tell me a little bit about that?
1: Absolutely, I know a ton about okay, the okay. Um, the actual structure of the building and why it was designed the way it was designed and mm-hmm. things of that nature. So. It was designed by architect Hugh Newell Jacobson. Hmm. And Hugh is a personal friend of John Kent Cook, who owns the winery. Um, and John was interested in a, a sort of minimalist approach to the winery. So Hugh worked hand in hand with Richard Vine, who was also hired, who is an oenologist. So they worked together to try and create an environment that was in keeping with the landscape. So, unlike a lot of other wineries in the area, Boxwood is sort of sort of unobtrusive. You don't really see it kind of jumping out of the landscape as you drive up. It's mm-hmm. actually designed to be sort of lower um, and compartmentalized, for lack of a better term. There's actually four buildings attached to this. Mm-hmm. Um, and Hugh, in keeping with that sort of minimalist um, aesthetic, Designed it so that everything fit with the original structure of the actual land. So that was where Mr. that is where Mr. Cook lives. So he lives in the original estate that was originally owned by Billy Mitchell way back in the day. Okay. Um, so some of the elements of the original farm were used in the construction of this establishment. So originally, Boxwood was designed to be by appointment only to showcase manufacturing, because we're one of the wineries, Not there's not a bunch of us, but we're one of the few, especially on our scale, that does everything on site, from hand, stem, hand stemming, hand picking, everything, up, right up until bo- up to bottling. Mm-hmm. There's not a lot that have the sort of fancy bottling equipment that we have, which is really quite cool. And if you're sort of a packaging aficionado, mm-hmm. and we do get people like that coming in, they look at the bottling machine and they're like, holy smokes, <laughs> it's like this Mac Daddy machine that comes from Italy. Mm-hmm. So, it's designed to sort of have separate buildings that don't jump out of the landscape. So you're not seeing this kind of monolithic um, structure. So it's set lower into the ground. As you drive up, it takes you a bit to see it. Yeah, right? it does. not you know. And so that was that was by design. They did that. Um, incorporation of certain elements to the original house. Uh, the use of the stone that you see in here is um, emulated after the original. Virginia Fieldstone. That's in Mr. Cook's house. Uh Um, The use of stone and steel is very um, evocative of of, um, Hughes aesthetic, as well as the chevrons on the doors. The low handles are designed to showcase the height of the doors. Our doors are massively heavy. We're just a little bit different than a lot of the other wineries that you're seeing in Virginia.
0: Yeah, one thing I like about it is the fact that you know, most of the wineries are very colonial, I would say, in their styling.
1: Yeah.
0: Very old world. Yeah. Um, and you, this is a great mix of, like, contemporary and old wood, because the stone mm-hmm. is very much like the landscape of Middleburg. You have all those nice stone uh, walls, yep. uh, flat, flat stone, flagstone uh, walls out mm-hmm. here. But it's clean and open, and with the, the steel, mm-hmm. I think it, it's, they've done a great job here.
1: Well, and there's all these little attention, all these little elements that are attention to detail. For example, the whorls on the top of the stainless steel Uh um, counter the serving space were designed to be basically the size of the bottom of a wine glass. Uh Um, Even though it has this really sort of modern feel um, with the incorporation of the sort of traditional elements, as you mentioned, when you look at the doors, for example, the handles, even though they're low, they're actually modeled after a traditional French lock. Which is also in Mr. Cook's house. Okay. So it's still um, uh, like an, an antique. It's an updated antique um, sensibility, uh-huh. and I think that they did a really good job with that. And when you're sitting in the center of the room, in the center of this round, and if you you were here, it's designed to actually have a complete view of the entire of the entire establishment. So mm-hmm. when you're sitting there, you have a, a view to the cave a view to the bottling room, a view to the shea, where we do all the fermentation, and a view to the outside, as well as a view to the sky. So you see everything. The cupolas were designed because they're on the carriage house and on the uh, stables, Um, so he used those. So just all of these um, really sort of um, sensitive elements, I think.
0: Let's talk about the grapes, Yeah. what you do here. Yes. Now, how many acres is this land?
1: The actual total acreage, I believe, for the whole estate is about 175. We only have 25 acres, 25 to 26 acres under vine. And that's because that's where we can plant. Yeah, We're not going to get any bigger than that. We're not going to get any further afield, as far as I know. I mean, things could change unless Lucy says, oh yeah, you can plant here too. <laughs> um, then I think it's going to stay that we can do up to probably at full capacity. It'll be about 5,000 case production. Huh. We do about 60% direct to consumer here and about 40% to market. And we grow all the quote unquote noble grapes. So Cab Franc, Cab Sabre, merlot, Petit Verdot, and what was the other one? Malbec. Malbec. <laughs> and yeah. we also grow um, Sauvignon Blanc. We're into our third vintage, third vintage of Sauvignon Blanc, or second vintage, Mm -hmm. and we're in, and we also planted Sauvignon Gris, which is a really interesting blend, so in keeping with um, Mr. Cook's um, desire to be very traditional Bordeaux style blends, Mm -hmm. we will stick to blends, there has been discussion off and on about a single varietal, but we really like the blends here, and our white blend is actually a Bordeaux style blend, with the Sauvignon Blanc and Mm -hmm. the Sauvignon Gris.
0: I am uh, not a drinker of whites normally, yeah. one of the things that uh, made an impression on me is that Sauvignon Blanc Yeah. that uh, we had at the tasting room when we yeah. first came. It it's was, fabulous, yeah.
1: and nobody in Virginia is doing anything like it. Yeah. You get a lot of rosés in Virginia, and we also have a tremendous rosé, um, but you don't see a lot of really good Sauvignon Blanc, mm. especially in the Bordeaux style. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. You said you do um, 40% direct to market. Yeah. Uh, I did notice some of the shops in in sure. Middleburg yeah. obviously carry some boxwood wines, but where else? Uh, where well, we
1: to get a comprehensive look, you'd have okay. to look on our, our website, okay. but we sell in Total Wine and we sell, um, gosh, I'd have to look, I was just looking it up earlier and I should know this off the top of my no, head. No, I mean,
0: but you, you do, you, you sell to quite a, quite yep. a few retailers, Yes, quite site. a few retailers, yeah. quite a few restaurants.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, I guess if I started citing them independently now, I'd be leaving out some, so that's not fair.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, but we actually have pretty good market saturation given the size that we have. I'm mm-hmm. I'm very pleased with how well received it is, uh-huh. um, both in DC and Northern Virginia, all the way to Richmond and uh, Charlottesville. Uh-huh. You know, we're, I'm very we're very fortunate that way. And you know, people are really starting to understand um, that Virginia wine is getting very very good. Yes. And I. When I'm out on the road, I kind of evangelize about Virginia wine. It's not just about Boxwood. It's about all Virginia wineries that are, I I don't mind if you're not a state, as long as you're picking your grapes in Virginia, I'm all in. Right. So.
0: Yeah, that's, uh, that was one of the, actually the motivations to even start this podcast in the first place, Mm -hmm. because uh, I've come to, I've been drinking wine, I guess, as a wine drinker for about five years. Really? That's
1: about it. Oh, so you're yeah. new to the wine. But yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: as far as a, you know, a palate is concerned. And, sure. and if any wine that I liked was a California wine, right. or a California red or a cab or something sure. like that.
1: Yeah.
0: And it wasn't until I was educated about, well, I tasted more wine. I won't say I was educated. It wasn't until I tasted more wine, especially French wine. And then I saw the parallels between French wine and Virginia wine that I actually saw what winemakers who knew what they were doing yeah we 're actually, we're actually accomplishing here, yeah, and so that 's what I do. I yeah. tell people that you know if you, if, if, you know if you like California calves, you may not gravitate toward Virginia wine, mm-hmm. but you have to know what it is that you 're supposed to be tasting right. in order to appreciate it and and, and I, I think those people who do really fall in love with it
1: I would agree um, there's a lot you know it was it was interesting, I was just in Napa last week, and I was uh, I had, a, I had a great time, um, but again, the wines are massively different than they are here. And I'm used to drinking, you know, Bordeaux reds, or and I love California wines, but I love yeah. it, I love all wines. I love mm-hmm. Italian wines, I love Spanish wines, I love Chilean wines, I love, you know, of course, Virginia wines. Um, and it's interesting because the terroir here is reminiscent of something that you can grow in Bordeaux, which is why it does support grape growing, um, mm-hmm. depending on the size, you yeah. know, uh, the the acreage that you have. The key in Virginia is not to get over your skis, I think. And the attention to detail that we have in our kind of non sequitur here, but the attention to detail that we have in our vineyard, as you drove up, you could see it's meticulous. Uh It's a beautiful vineyard. Um, It was was also planted in the traditional Bordeaux style. So not really widely spaced like you see a lot. Um, The vines are closer together. All of our vines are certified from Bordeaux, so we're growing the real deal here also. And all of our wine is oaked in French oak mm-hmm. uh, for a year, up to a year. So everything is very, very traditionally um, done, for lack of a
0: We'll get back to my conversation with Jessica in just a moment. But I wanted to get back to what I talked about in the introduction. I now sell Lexus automobiles at Lexus of Rockville. If you had told me in January that come April I'd be selling Lexus RX 350s or LC 500s rather than houses in Chevy Chase or in Georgetown, I wouldn't have believed you. Not at all. But that's exactly what has happened and it's been fantastic. So I want all my listeners to know, That if you or someone you know is in the market for a Lexus vehicle in the D.C. metro area, please contact me before you look any further. My email is in the show notes, and you can always call or text me at 301-233-2845. That number is in the show notes as well. I look forward to hearing from all of you quite soon. So let's get back to my conversation with Jessica about Boxwood Estate Winery. Well, when I visited finally, uh, two months or so ago, I believe, uh, I didn't. I had forgotten that the Cook family owns this place. Right now, I'm a native, so I'm a recovering redskin fan.
1: Okay, <laughs> and and I, I
0: remember. I'm old enough to remember when uh, John's father bought the team from Edward Bennett Williams. Yeah, and. Those are the glory days of the Redskins. Yeah. I mean, when the Cook family owned the team, and I'm, yeah. you know, and it was a very dark day
1: yeah.
0: when they stopped owning the team.
1: Yes, <laughs> yes.
0: And so when I was reminded that John started this place, mm-hmm. uh, I, I I wasn't surprised to see the quality here because mm-hmm. you know it just seems that the, the, their family has, a, you know, at least my exposure to the investments mm-hmm. they've made and the things that they've mm-hmm. done seem to have a reputation for trying to do things in a in a spectacular manner, you know. Exactly. And, uh, and, and I think they've achieved that here. Absolutely. And so what, what about, uh, are there any plans, I know that you said that you don't know about any more growing or, right. or anything, but is there anything in the future here at Boxwood that's on the horizon that you'd like to tell people about?
1: Uh, you know, I think that they want to continue to um, get a little bit more exposure, you know, into the marketplace, um, but again we don't have unlimited amounts of inventory uh-huh. so from my perspective I tend I have to be very careful of where I want to place our wine and also in a in a, in an arena where um, it keeps the brand elevated uh-huh. right I, and that's not meant to be like a snobby thing to say oh, no but you also don't you know you don't want to thin it out you know uh-huh. um, I don't, you know, I think that they like the model as it stands now. I ha- I'm i not aware of anything that's, you know, on the horizon, particularly in terms of shifting its focus or anything. I mean, the biggest shift in focus they did was in 2013 when we opened up to the public. Uh, because originally, like I said, it's
0: it was by appointment. Yeah. Oh, I see. Yeah.
1: So when they opened up to the public, that just brought in a whole different element which is fantastic it you know and it's nice to be able to share the establishment with the public you know we try not we try to keep it sort of um, we do you know big group tastings and we have um, appointment based sit-downs and things of that nature but we try to keep it so that everybody can really enjoy the experience when they're here and that means we try to reduce party size. We don't, you know, definitely tr- try not to encourage the big party buses when they come here. Okay. And they, you know, if they happen to come up, we, if, if we can accommodate them, mm-hmm. we endeavor to do that. But I think most people in the Virginia wine area are pretty savvy to the fact if you're rolling in with 23 people, it doesn't matter where you go, it's gonna be hard to get
0: served. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I'd like to champion, uh, on this podcast at least, the uh, winemakers in Virginia in Maryland, who are trying to create a pr- quality product. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's, it's been stated to me several times by several owners and winemakers of, of these establishments that, you know, you can put five states of Virginia in the state of California. Yes. And there mm-hmm. are wineries in the state of California that produce more wine than the entire state of Virginia.
1: Exactly. So, yeah.
0: you know, th- th- this isn't really the place to try to pump out volume. Right. In a, in a quality way, mm-hmm. uh, it's it's really more of a place that if you you can either do two one of two things, come up with a uh, produce quality wine, yeah, like what you're trying to do sounds like here, and, yeah. and I, I believe you are, yeah, uh, or have uh, an event establishment, right. Um, right. Very few places do both well.
1: I would, I would agree with
0: that. Um, there are a few, but not very few mm-hmm. places do both well. Uh, but I, you know, so, and I like to let the public know about the places that are producing the wine well.
1: Well, and currently um, our, a lot of our wines are rated anywhere between 89 and 93 points with mm-hmm. James Suckling, as well as our um, reserve just got uh, gold in the Governor's Cup. So we're very proud of Mm -hmm. the wines that we make here. And we don't make a bunch. Yeah. We make five, right? So (laughs) it's not like you have some, you know. And that's the other thing, too. If if you like our wine, like even with the club membership and things like that, Mm -hmm. what you see is what you get. Mm -hmm. If you like Bordeaux-style red blends produced in Virginia, that's what you're getting here. And you're getting a beautiful rosé, and you're getting a beautiful Sauvignon Blanc, so you have enough to sort of you know choose from but we stay with the model which is Bordeaux Uh and that's the other thing you know when you talk about integrity of wine when I'm again when I'm out on the road and I talk about Virginia wine um, you know sometimes you get people to your point well I can pick up a bottle of of whatever for seven dollars why do I want to you know pay this now to be fair I think Virginia is very very competitive considering how how costly it is to produce wine. Uh-huh. Um, sometimes people don't understand we don't have 5,000 acres and we can't we don't have that distribution everything is done by hand uh-huh. everything is on-site so at its nut you know winemakers are, are farmers right. and the people that work for them are farmers and we're employees of that farm and we talk, we, we, I, I try to talk about that when I'm, when I'm discussing Virginia wine. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, people are willing to pay an extra $3 for farm to table meat or their grocer go to their open markets or get their special sausages or get, you know, ramps or, you know, that's not inexpensive. Right. So I really like to exhort people to put their money where their mouth is. It's like, you're gonna do this, then drink in your backyard too. Us Virginia wineries are in your backyard, and if you don't embrace them, how do you expect other people internationally to embrace them? And one of the advantages, I think, in the um, in the Virginia area is because we all work so well together. Mm. We all support each other so... I've noticed that. Yeah, I mean, I will extol praises about a bunch of different wineries mm. that I think are incredibly high value that everybody should try. Not just us, but the ones... And if, the nice thing is, is the more that happens, the more Virginia is put as a destination on the
0: map, uh-huh.
1: right? So Virginia is, we know it's wine country, we know all of that, but not everybody does. We're also the fifth largest producer of wine in America. That's true. People don't, don't know that. It's like, what? It's yeah. like, yeah. yeah. So if we're going to be a region and a destination, then it has to be a groundswell from the people, the farmers, the workers... And then the consumer. Mm-hmm. The consumer needs to embrace it. It is yours. Own it. You know, enjoy it. So that's kind of how I discuss it, because people say, well, it's hard to sell Virginia wine. Well it's because you're not tasting it. Yeah. And you're not talking about how great it is. Yeah. You know? And it's you can have great wines here and bad wines here, just like every single growing region in the world. So, you know, people will say, Well, I tried this thirteen years ago. Well, you need to try it again.
0: Well, yeah, and I've told this story on the on the podcast before. I, uh, I went to, to college in Atlanta, and I worked down there in the 80s. And when I moved back here in the 90s, uh, I remember seeing a, an issue of the Washington Post in the style section. Mm-hmm. Might have been the weekend section. And they were talking about the Virginia wine tour. And they had these places. And, and I didn't even know that Virginia produced wine. Yeah. And I asked my friends who were still living in the area, have you ever gone on these tours? And they'd say, oh, yeah, I went, God, it sucked. The wine was terrible. They don't know what they're doing and all of that. And um, in in talking to people, winemakers, people who owned wineries back then, they'd say, well, you know, that was probably true for some of those places back then. But things have changed radically. Mm -hmm. And so I'm just echoing what your your sentiment that I would, you know, if, if people have a, you know, Got a bad taste in their mouth, so to speak, right. from Virginia wine. I would say that you probably should give it another look and choose the places you go to wisely. Sure.
1: <laughs> and the the inherent passion for these winemakers in Virginia yeah. is incredible. I mean these wineries are their babies. Right. The owners are, you know, the everybody is is hands on. Yeah. You know, it's not like you have like I said, like these 5,000 acres and combine harvesters or whatever they are to do this. We It's like you baby every single grape that comes from, you know, vine to table. Mm-hmm. And I think that people don't really appreciate the sheer labor and um, the anxiety, <laughs> right, that yeah. goes in to, yeah. you know, you've got to have, you've got to be pretty sturdy if yeah. you're going to be a winemaker here. Yeah. Especially in, in Virginia.
0: Yeah, it's, it's a... Uh... And also, just in growing the grapes, I've, I've learned, yep. uh, as opposed to say California, yep. where they irrigate and they yep. can have control of their climate and weather a little bit more than yep. we have. Yep. That's changing out there a little bit. Yep. So I'm going to put you on the spot here about weather and climate, since we talked about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know that last year we got a, a lot of rain, yep. which affect some of the red wine grapes, especially. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, do, you have, do you know what the outlook is for this year? Have you heard it anything was, about that? You
1: know, we haven't really, we are producing wine. Mm-hmm. We won't have the same yields. That's the one thing about boxwood specifically. Um, I like to say if they don't like the grapes, they're not going to make the wine. Right. So we're just not going to arbitrarily pump out a bunch of stuff. So I think, and I haven't had any on hand discussions, I think it's kind of a wait and see right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would submit that yield would probably be lower, you know, because when you get that kind of rain, you may get a ton of grapes, but then they don't have the concentration that you need and things like that. Yeah. So I don't really know. I think uh, Stéphane Renancourt is our consultant, and mm-hmm. he comes from France every couple times a year. And I didn't hear any feedback yet. So yeah. I, like I said, I, I wouldn't want to presume to. Yeah,
0: sure. I just, I just was curious it about is a, that.
1: it Look, hands down, it was a tough year.
0: Yeah. I mean, there's. They're having tough times in France as well with climate, some of the climate change. Yeah. Yeah. In the Bordeaux region. Yeah. I understand.
1: Yeah. So we'll see. You know, fingers crossed. Fortunately, we have enough wine to sort of support the public, (laughs) you know, going through. But I don't specifically know. But I know for a fact. It it hurt everybody last year. I mean, rain on the weekend. Every single weekend it rained. Like, are you kidding me Mm -hmm. with this? Mm -hmm. So it hurt business in general. I mean, Mm -hmm. we still did well, fortunately. You know, you have an indoor structure. But it certainly put a damper on people getting out and enjoying outside. Get out today, (laughs) clearly, (laughs) because it's like one of the best days we've had so far.
0: Well, I would like to encourage everyone listening, to uh, visit Virginia Wineries. Uh, if you have a chance, if you're in the Middleburg area, please stop by uh, Boxwood Estate Winery. Yep. They have uh, wonderful wines, as we have said. Jessica, I'd like to thank you for your time. Oh, my and pleasure. Coming to the show. Is there anything else that you would like to say? Or
1: No, just really drink in your backyard.
0: Yeah, and if you go, I will say this. If you go to one of these wineries, uh, if you visit Boxwood, and you run across a wine in the tasting room that you like, um, I, and you want to take some home I would challenge everybody to take that bottle to a party mm-hmm. or to a get together or to a dinner and don't tell anybody where the wine is from yeah. and and then ask them how they like it I and love that's how that. I've gotten recruited people to Virginia Wine yeah. because they'll say oh it's pretty good where did it come from and yeah. I'll say oh it's from X winery in yeah. Virginia or some you know mm-hmm. uh, Black Ankle in Maryland or some place like that yeah. and they're shocked
1: yeah <laughs> Yeah, I love doing that, too. Yeah. And same thing with, you know, when I visit, um, yeah, I'm from Toronto originally, mm. so if you catch a, out on that, I come by it, honestly. Okay, um,
0: Could be from the eastern shore, though, of exactly, Maryland. Exactly, <laughs>
1: yeah. And I've had some delicious wines from, you know, Finger Lakes and mm-hmm. from Canada and, you know, all over. Mm-hmm. You know, when in Rome, try what's there. Yeah. But yep. I do. Thank you for that plug for you know drinking local because it is so important yeah you know support your farmers su- support your grape growers your barley growers your distillers you know all of it
0: okay so, yeah well again thank you for your time appreciate it You're and uh, we'll be back here in a couple weekends
1: yeah wine club pickup party
0: okay all <laughs> thank right. you bye-bye bye Well, that's another show in the books. I would like to thank Jessica Shivers Wilson for being on the show and allowing me to interview her at the winery. If you have an interest in learning more about Boxwood Estate Winery and the wines they produce and their very good wines, please go to their website, boxwoodwinery.com. That website is also in the show notes. And if you're looking for a scenic, enjoyable, and educational weekend day trip from D.C., I highly recommend visiting Middleburg, Virginia, and also Boxwood Estate Winery. Listen, I would love to hear from you. I'd like to hear from all of you. So if you want to contact me about the subject matter of this podcast or anything at all, please email me at hfletcher at howardfletcher.com. That email address is going to be in the show notes. Or just Google Howard Fletcher Podcast or Howard Fletcher Real Estate and Wine Podcast and I guarantee you'll find me on the first page of Google. Something you can do that will help me a whole bunch especially if you listen to me on apple podcasts or in itunes is to please rate this episode feel free to give me five stars and also to subscribe go there do it right now do it and if you like the show let your friends know about it and ask them to give me a listen to ask them to please rate me i would very much appreciate it and it will help the podcast grow and as all of you know by now i'd like to take over the world The Real Estate Wine and More podcast is a production of the Fletcher Group, and it's made in association now with Lexus of Rockville. Music for this episode was supplied by Cadillac Grip. If you're ever in the Boulder or Denver, Colorado areas, you got to go see Cadillac Grip play. Because if you ain't hip to the grip, you just ain't hip. The Real Estate Wine and More podcast was written, recorded, engineered, produced, and Screwed Up by me. I'm Howard Fletcher. Thank you for listening. I'll see you next time. We are going to probably be producing these every other week or every three weeks instead of every week throughout the summer. Now, the spring and the summer. So look for the next one. When you subscribe, it'll come up in your your feed. Thank you for listening. Bye-bye.